The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. And welcome back into the Bama on Three show. This is your host, Clint Lamb. Sitting here once again with Jimmy Stein. Jimmy, it's Tuesday of championship week. How are we feeling? Uh, you know, I know we're underdogs. This is an uncharted territory for all of us. We haven't been an underdog in the SEC championship game since 09. That's 13 seasons. But, hey, we're in it. You know, there's 65 Power 5 football teams. Only 10. Only, well, no. Only 10 FBS teams play this Saturday. And we're one of the 10. So, uh Let's get excited about the fact that we're still playing another game and getting to watch our guys and, uh, and, and what happens happens. Uh, you know, we're not going to, Nick Saban has been here for 15 years. He hasn't won 14 sec championships, you know, uh, what happens happens, but, uh, it's fun to be playing another game and, and getting to watch our guys play again. Well, you know, this weekend presents an opportunity when you're an underdog and no one's really giving you a chance or too much of a chance. Think about some of the most enjoyable games that you can remember, you know, recently, you know, you talk about the 2018 national title game, you know, second 26, you talk about the iron bowl this past weekend. The reason that those were so enjoyable is because as Alabama fans, the expectations going into games that you're going to win all of them. And not only are you going to win, you're probably going to win pretty big, but in both of those cases, those games reached a point where a lot of Alabama fans felt like they weren't going to win and they accepted it. So when they surprise you and they win, it's a lot more enjoyable. It's a lot more exciting. So if Alabama can do that, if they can somehow, you know, keep it competitive with Georgia and, and come out with a, with a W, it's going to feel that much better because when is the last time that, you know, you are pleasantly surprised that Alabama got a win? It doesn't matter who they're playing. If they get a win to some level, you expected it. And so I think that that's going to be a nice little change up. It's made, you know, the excitement level for me as somebody who covers it. You know, I've been a lot more excited to get to Atlanta and watch this game because I want to see how Alabama responds to, you know, being a team that not many people are giving a chance, you know. But the, at the end of the day, man, as rough as anybody thinks they may have it, you could be a Notre Dame fan. <laughs> yeah, I talked to one last night. One of my good buddies happens to be a big Notre Dame fan, and I, I spoke to him immediately after after it happened. And, of course, he's upset. I, uh, the thing that confused me, uh, you know, nationally, Clint, or, or – from this this thought that many a lot of fans don't have a very high opinion of Brian Kelly and I, I don't know if that's a personality thing but or that Notre Dame hasn't won in the playoff yet but if that's how we're gauging coaches if that's how we're evaluating coaches as to whether you're good at your job is who's gotten to the playoff and won a game so that means there's like five good coaches and 127 terrible ones. I mean, that's, it's an insane bar that people set for Brian Kelly's a damn good football coach. I mean, he, he won, he won before he ever got to Notre Dame. He's won at Notre Dame and it's a more difficult circumstance there 
than it is at other places because of academic requirements and advantages that they used to have. Notre Dame used to be, when I was a small kid, the only team that was on TV all the time. Now, Boise State, you know, all 12 of their games were on TV. Notre Dame's lost a lot of those advantages they had built in, you know, prior to the, the 90s. Um, I, I think Brian Kelly is an outstanding coach, and I know this. Les Miles won a national championship at LSU. Ed Orgeron won a national championship at LSU. Just me, but I think Brian Kelly might be 10 times more competent than those two guys. So, to me, it's a little bit of a scary hire uh, for, for Alabama. I think it should be. You know, I think the, the SEC West definitely just got more competitive. I think, you know, you talked about Les Miles. You talk about Ed Orgeron. Those are a lot more Gene Chizik type of national championship winning coaches. And they were able to, to find, you know, lightning in a bottle, each of them. Uh, now, some people say, you know, with Les Miles, you know, we kind of know how that entire thing went down. But, you know, Brian Kelly has built his success without having a brand. Now, granted, Notre Dame is a great brand, so I don't maybe want to put it that way. But without having, there's limitations at Notre Dame. There's obstacles that you won't face at LSU. Now the expectations may be a little bit higher. I mean, granted, you know, I think with Notre Dame, when you were constantly in the college football playoff mix and you were constantly getting there, that's one thing, but also you're going to have to play Alabama. If you want to get to your conference championship and more than likely get to the college football playoff before, you know, you look at Notre Dame right now, they're not playing this weekend and it's possible. Now, granted, I think them losing Brian Kelly could affect the committee. I don't know if it will or won't. Uh, should it? Shouldn't right. it? I don't know, but yep. At the same time, they weren't going to play this weekend, and that was going to help their chances of getting in the playoffs because everybody else is knocking each other off. Uh, now you'll have Alabama standing in your way, not only of getting to a conference championship and getting to the college football playoff, but just simply winning your division. And that's going to make, you know, life on Alabama just got a little bit more difficult, in my opinion. But life on LSU or life on Brian Kelly, I guess you'd say, just got a little bit more difficult. But I think that the problem with Brian Kelly is that people can't separate his ability to coach and his personality. You know, with, yeah. with Bill Belichick, everybody's accepted his personality for what it is. They understand he's a great coach despite that. And, you know, he's not always going to give you the, the answers you want. He's not always going to treat people the way that you want him to as far as the media and, and being engaging and, and entertaining. But he's a damn good football coach, and so is Brian Kelly. And I think that's exactly the kind of personality and stuff that LSU just got. Yeah, uh, I think he'll win at LSU. Of course he will. Uh, even coaches that that aren't, uh, you know, uh, that aren't all-time greats do all-time great things there. And uh, I think you'll do well, like you said at best. The SEC West, is just, it just gets tougher every year. And, uh, and it partially explains our struggles. Uh, but the, the further I get away from the Auburn game, Clint, the further I get away from this regular season that, that just was completed, uh, I'm amazed that, 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 that we, sh we should be happier as a fan base. We're 11 and one. We won the toughest division and the toughest conference again, uh, despite what we lost. And, and I, I really think a lot of the angst uh, that isn't shared by Nick Saban, by the way, I don't know if anybody's noticed, Nick seems pretty happy with how things have gone. Uh, and that's not a trick. He's not acting. He's not trying to win an Oscar. Nick is happy with how things went. Uh, I, I think as fans, we, we just failed in the offseason to dial back uh, our expectations when we should have based on what we lost. We were probably the greatest football team of all time, the greatest college football team ever built in 2020. 
there was going to be a step back. And there was. And what's the end result of that step back? 11 and one SEC West champs. That's that's incredible. It really is. And I mean, looking at, you know, what, what confuses me is the differences between Lincoln Riley and Brian Kelly. And what I mean by that is when Lincoln Riley was going to come to LSU, everybody thought that was going to be a great hire. Everybody loved it. Everybody thought that LSU was going to be competitive. Some Alabama fans are looking at that and saying, ah, he's not that great of a coach. But a lot of people, you know, it was pretty universally accepted that that would have been a home run hire. Explain outside of personality differences, the difference between Brian Kelly and Lincoln Riley from a success standpoint. Offense, 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 offense. Lincoln Riley has the sexy quarterback, sexy offense. He's a young offensive whiz, which is all the rage in the NFL that me and you like. If you want to be an NFL head coach in 2022, Clint, be young and an offensive whiz kid, and you will be a head coach in the NFL next season. And Lincoln Riley fits that profile. That's what he is. And and what's Brian Kelly? Older, ball control, smart, not flashy, uh, and, 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 and it is, it's personality and offense, but fans are, will always be obsessed with offense. And, and, and I've known this for years. I've just accepted it later. And this is how I know uh, I've been going to Alabama scrimmages for years, Alabama a days. I was going to, like I say all the time, I was going to Alabama a day before going to a day was cool. And the fact of the matter is that in every Alabama a day I've ever been to when it's Alabama versus Alabama and the offense completes a pass and makes a big play people cheer yeah they cheer and you can make an argument of we just gave up a 35 yard play why are y'all cheering but fans cheer when the offense makes a play uh and 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 that's that that's just what what entertains people yeah and and that is exactly the difference it is youth and it is you know the fact that lincoln riley doesn't have the same personality the same draw personality as as brian kelly and then also you know, the offensive prowess or the fact that you've got Oklahoma players in, you know, the Heisman race and they're breaking records and they're winning awards. And you don't really see that from Notre Dame too much. You don't see any of their offensive guys. You know, Kyle Hamilton's probably the best safety in college football. He is the best safety in college football. And he, you know, has gotten recognition as such, but you don't really see the offensive guys getting a ton of recognition. Kyron Williams is a good running back. Is, is he is he one of the first names that you list when you talk about great running backs in college football? No. And so... That is a part of it. But when you actually look at the success of both programs, Lincoln Riley has accomplished nothing that Brian Kelly has not accomplished. They've both been in the college football playoff hunt each and every year, pretty much. They've gotten there. They've both gotten slaughtered every time they get there. Um, and so, you know, people will look at Lincoln Riley and be like, oh my gosh, the, you know, this LSU getting him would be phenomenal. And then Brian Kelly and some people are like, oh, you know, we smoked them in the playoffs. I'm going to tell you, Brian Kelly no longer has the handcuffs on him that he did at Notre Dame. Things are going to be different. Does that mean that he's going to beat Alabama? No, but it's going to be more difficult to defeat Brian Kelly at LSU than it was it was at Notre Dame trying to defeat him there. So fans need to understand that, and that just makes the whole thing more exciting, makes things more competitive. Some people would rather Alabama win by 100 every week, and when you're, you know, when you're, when you're watching them struggle, you know, this past weekend, would I rather have seen Alabama win by 40? Absolutely. Um, you know, it was kind of funny about that iron bowl kind of switching gears. And I wanted to get your take on this. I was talking to somebody about it on, I think it was Thanksgiving day. It was uh, my brother-in-law. And I just said, you know, from Alabama's perspective, there's not really a way that this can go where it's going to 
provide a lot of entertainment because I, I, I was like, there's one of three scenarios that plays out. Alabama either destroys Auburn and it's not a very fun game to watch. Alabama loses to Auburn and then it's really not a fun game to watch or Alabama wins close against Auburn, but then the whole storyline and people, you know, they're going to be talking about the fact that Alabama struggled with Auburn and that's not fun. So I was like, there's no way where Alabama really wins on Saturday. And yet with the way that things transpired, it ended up being a fantastic game. And there are, there are some fans that are still upset with the performance, but overall people are super happy with it. And I just didn't expect that whatsoever. But when you watch them get destroyed for 58 minutes in a game and you've kind of already accepted okay, they're probably going to lose here. When they come out and they win, it changes the dynamic and the thought process on everything. I think it's this, it's this simple, to borrow a, a golf analogy, uh, you know, you have a two-foot putt and a 25-foot putt, and, and, and people that play golf all the time, they 100% expect to make a two-foot putt, and they usually do. But it's a whole lot more fun to make that 25-foot putt, which has a, a lot less chance of going in, and no, no amateur expects – to make a 25 footer you just hope it goes in and it goes in and that's fun uh no very few people fist pump or or have some sort of celebration on the green when you make a two foot two footer unless it's to win the masters but uh everybody celebrates when that 25 footer goes in and that's what saturday was uh might have been a, a 19 point favorite uh might have been disappointed in the way they played for 58 minutes but the 25 foot putt went in so we're still celebrating yep uh w- w- Two bad shots and one good shot still makes par. That's what I've always been been told. So, um, you know, that's exactly what happened. Uh, Alabama made par. But, and we'll kind of talk a little bit very quickly about some of these other coaching changes. You know, the coaching carousel. First of all, transfer portal, alive and well. Uh, for, you know, kind of we, we expected it, but now that it's happening, it's like, wow, it's still shocking just to see all the amount of players, uh, talented players that are entering the portal now that they are no longer held back by having to sit out for a year. But getting back to the coaches, a lot of movement going on. A lot of, you know, major – when is the last time that Notre Dame and Oklahoma both lost head coaches wanting to go to other programs? Not from being fired, not from wanting to move on to the NFL, not from, you know, retirement. It is simply that they wanted to be somewhere else and they left. Um, That, to me, is wild. So just kind of react to Lincoln Riley, react – you know, we've already been talking about Brian Kelly, but – you know, you got some other, you know, people have talked about maybe Lane Kiffin going somewhere. I think that's kind of, you know, now that LSU is filled, now that, you know, Florida and some of these programs that he was listed for, you know, I don't think Oklahoma would go after. Maybe they would. I don't know. Just talk a little bit about what's been going on around college football with all these head coaches. Well, one thing that, about the two big ones, about Lincoln Riley to USC and Brian Kelly to LSU is uh, whenever there's a big opening, and the media rushes and fans rush to come up with their own list of candidates. Those candidates are often a long list of successful coaches at other power five schools. But the fact of the matter, the math of the matter is that most of the time the jobs aren't filled by sitting power five coaches elsewhere. They're usually not. Uh, Most of the time power five coaches stay right where they are and get raises and extensions instead of moving on and building it somewhere else. So what we really have here is two exceptions to the rule, which make it so fun and shocking uh, is, wait a minute, someone actually left Oklahoma? Someone actually left Notre Dame? Those are destination programs. Why would you leave? And and there's some surprise, but it's also exciting. Uh, it makes the sport fun to me uh, is the change and uh, the transfer portal the same way. Uh, 
you know, it's, it's a lot to get used to. I still wouldn't say I'm 100% used to college free agency. I would say a, a big part of me doesn't like it because I'm not sure it benefits the players because, you know, I'm, I'm as old stick in the mud and I worry about things like graduation and graduation rates and going to school and losing credits <laughs> and things like that. And to me, it's not just 100% football with these kids. Uh, and, and just because you transferred, does that mean you're improving your situation? I think Keelan Robinson in Alabama is such a great uh, lesson here in that the day Keelan Robinson left Alabama, it made all the sense in the world. It made all the sense in the world. You're like, well, you know, Keelan's like, I'm not going to play here. Look, I got Brian and Trey and, and Roydell and Jace. They're all, they could all be ahead of me. And I'm going to go to Texas. Yeah, they got Bijan, but, uh, but maybe I can be a number two at Texas. And he goes there and guess what? He's not a number two at Texas. He's not because lo and behold, Texas is recruiting other talent too. Uh, and then the way it plays out, Clint, I think we know had Keelan stayed, he would have gotten more carries at Alabama than he got at Texas. And in fact, almost assuredly would be Alabama starting running back in the SEC championship this weekend uh, had he stayed. And I think that's such a lesson. Uh, I'll use it. I'm not breaking news here. It's, I think there's a lot of rumors that we'll address on the transfer portal. And one of them is that Drew Sanders could be leaving Alabama. And uh, I get it. I get it because I, hey, my football opinion is that he'll never beat Dallas Turner out, that that our starting outside linebackers next season, assuming Chris Allen goes pro, uh, our starting outside linebackers next season will be Will Anderson and Dallas Turner. And uh, and Drew Sanders won't, won't be in that in the mix to start. So I get it that he wants to leave. But the fact of the matter is Dallas Turner started out this season maybe even lower than fourth but certainly the fourth guy, but he ends up being the starter because other guys got hurt. And and, and I, I hope that Drew takes a look at the Keelan Robinson situation. And hey, just because you're not a first team guy the first day of spring practice, that doesn't mean you won't be a first team guy the first week of the season. Kids, kids get hurt and banged up and you need more than two outside linebackers and, and Alabama itself is proof of that drew was playing himself because the kid in front of him got hurt so uh i i just think that most of these kids would benefit with uh with having a little more patience another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, and, that, and granted, that's exactly what the transfer portal has gotten rid of. You know, there's no longer this idea that you can be patient. You know, you can. I mean, that's. I guess that's the, the wrong way to put it. You can be patient, but there's also other avenues. You don't have to be patient. And so it's very tough to make yourself be patient when you don't have to be. When you can go somewhere else to feel like you can start from day one and be the guy there that you want to be. Um, the problem is, is you're absolutely right. And, and it took a lot of injuries, a very flukish, you know, season, for, you know, with Alabama's running backs for Keelan Robinson to probably have gotten really involved. Now, granted, he probably would have been involved in some way because he was involved as a true freshman despite all the talent in front of him. But it, he definitely would be 
the starting running back this weekend, more than likely if Brian Robinson, you know, were to miss. But before that, you know, Alabama with Trey Sanders and Keelan Robinson. Keelan would have been the number two behind Brian Robinson, and then Trey Sanders probably would have worked in the number three role. And, you know, then, of course, when Brian Robinson goes down and, you know, potentially misses a game, now you got a nice little one-two punch with Trey Sanders and Keelan Robinson. And so it hurts Alabama. You know, Robinson has gone on to Texas, like you said, you know, Bijan Robinson ends up getting hurt. And what happens? Roshan Johnson, you know, he's ended up being the workhorse. And now he's getting the spotlight and he's getting everything that he wanted. And Keelan Robinson's left back there thinking, I could have gotten these touches in Tuscaloosa. I'd be competing for a national championship instead of being on this dysfunctional team. And, you know, I could actually be contributing at this point because he, you know, I really liked, and I think a lot of Alabama fans really liked what they saw from him during his first season a couple of years ago. He ended up sitting out last year, understandably so. But that's just what ends up happening. But you're right. I mean, the transfer portal, the you know, the the coaching carousel, and just where everything is going, guys can you know very quickly you know. And, and I feel like once you've broken this mold, you know, this idea of if you've got a, a what's considered a destination job, you shouldn't leave it for anywhere. You know, there's always been the kind of this stigma, and you didn't see it. It's kind of like those got first guys that started sitting out of bowl games. Once you opened up that can of worms, it became a lot more of the norm. You will start seeing this a lot more around college football as far as guys. And I mean, it's ha- look, look at the timing of it. And they're doing it because they want to get to their new school and, and you know, uh, already start, you know, before the early signing period ends up happening and already gets established and started. But look, I mean, you got a college football playoff contender in Notre Dame that might get left out of the college football playoff. Now, I could be wrong. I don't know how the committee is going to weigh this. But, you know, could end up that, – that could ruin their chances of getting in because the committee's like, we don't – I mean, they're dealing with a lot there with, you know, without the coaching, you know, without the coach being there and stuff. So it is very, very interesting. You know, and Billy Napier is one, you know, that, that makes sense. Him going to Florida, you know, Louisiana yep. Lafayette, he was never going to be there long. He, you know, kind of waited his turn. He, he had some other opportunities that he didn't feel like is ultimately where he wanted to be. You know, you go ahead and make the jump to Mississippi State – you're now coaching in the SEC a year sooner, a couple of years sooner, but at the same time, uh, you're at Mississippi State. Now he's at Florida because he waited his turn. He waited for the right opportunity to open up, and now he's got a destination job, in my opinion, and I think he's going to do extremely well. One of the things with these coaches, they're all going to want to end up in recruiting hotbeds. When you've got in-state guys who you know want to go to your school, they grew up being a fan of your school, Everybody, the fans that they're surrounded with in high school are all fans of one particular school. You know, if you're in the state of Louisiana, most people are going to be LSU fans. You know, Brian Kelly is down here being like, you know, I just have it built in that I'm going to have a huge advantage because these guys want to stay home and I'm going to be able to get my pick of the litter in a very hot recruiting hotbed. So interesting stuff, man. Uh, Anything else to add? Uh, Not really. I do like the Napier hire at Florida. I like that from minute number one. That just feels like a good fit. Billy's a good Guys, matter of fact, I like Napier so much uh, from his time at Alabama and following him in Lafayette that, uh, uh, you know, we're not supposed to like Florida and I'll try not to like Florida, but I, but I do like Billy Napier. Uh, and, and I do think that that was a uh, smart hire. I know it doesn't have the, the headline making hire that USC and LSU had, but who knows? It, it, it might end up being the best hire of all of them. And it also didn't cost them. 60 gazillion dollars either right absolutely all right we're going to finish up this episode with a couple of mailback questions we have like always our listeners do not disappoint anytime we're looking for mailback questions i didn't even have to post a mailback tweet this week you know asking for them and if you want to send them in 
just send them in whenever you have them. Anything on your mind to say, hey, I would love for you guys to talk about this on the podcast. We'll certainly uh, get that done. Um, but we got, you know, four, four really good questions that we're going to talk about really quick. And we'll start with Antonio on Twitter. He asked, if Alabama can get past Georgia, how do you think they'd stack up against other teams in the college football playoff, such as Michigan, Cincinnati, Notre Dame, Oklahoma State, et cetera? Uh, I would like Alabama's chances, chances. Now, this, this is Alabama teams, not 2020. So I'm going to use the word chances. I would like Alabama's chances to beat anyone, uh, including Michigan, including Cincinnati, including Oklahoma State. Anyone in that playoff, uh, the only one that would give me pause is Georgia. Uh, and I'm not going to even break down playing Georgia a second time. Uh, that will create its own difficulties as well. But uh, I would like Alabama's chances to beat any of those teams. I would also say that anyone you include in the playoff, including Cincinnati, can beat this Alabama team because this Alabama team is flawed. It's not the 2020 team that had very few flaws. This team is flawed. Uh, they can beat good teams they can lose to average teams and they almost did just four days ago so uh i i would like alabama's chances and i'd be optimistic about any game and any matchup but uh could alabama lose in the first round to even a cincinnati or an oklahoma state huh yeah yeah they could but uh man i would love to give alabama a chance one last point i'll make is I don't know about making the playoff that's a whole nother question about if you lose to georgia do you still make the playoff the answer is maybe you, there just has to be chaos on, on, on championship weekend. But I know what I'll believe personally. Maybe I'm the wrong person to ask because I have an admitted bias to Alabama. But this is what I believe, Clint. Even if Alabama loses Saturday to Georgia and the game isn't that close, let's say Georgia wins the game 28 to 7. So it's not that close. Uh, I will personally believe that Alabama is one of the four best teams. The loss to Georgia, even 28 to 7, will not change my mind. Uh, Alabama may not be in the playoff, but I will believe Alabama was one of the four best teams, regardless of what happened Saturday. I completely agree with you. And it's just, it, it just so happens that Alabama's got the far and away the top team in the country standing in their way. Um, and I still think that Alabama can beat Georgia. And we'll talk about that later uh, in the week. We've got, you know, the Georgia guys coming on for the, that cover, you know, the, dogs hq which is an on three you know affiliate or whatever the the georgia guys for on three are going to be coming on the show i think tomorrow and we're going to be talking to them and that's going to be fantastic and then we'll also we'll be breaking down things later in the week but i completely agree with you i think that alabama's got a shot now granted i would not want to see alabama's offensive line against aiden hutchinson and then david uh o -O I, don't know, I don't even know how you say his last name but i i, oh, I know you're talking about 55 i think uh, yeah. Oh man, they're they're, they're they've got a dynamite one-two punch at, at outside linebacker and uh, or pass rushers. You know, I think one of them's technically a defensive end. Aiden Hutchinson doesn't play outside linebacker, but just edge players. Both right. of them are phenomenal. I would be very curious to see. You know, um, one of them would be going against Evan Neal. I think Evan Neal would hold up just fine. The other side, uh, that person would probably have a field day. So. <laughs> not saying that that Alabama would lose the game. I just don't, man. That would be, you know, that that's the one that when you start listing all those teams that Alabama could play, that's the for that reason that would be the number one that I would say. Ooh, um, would be curious to see how Alabama's offense stacked up dealing with that kind of pass rush after what we saw against Auburn this past Saturday. But I guess we'll get a much better idea seeing them this weekend going against Georgia's pass rush. But anyways, we'll move on to the next question, which is kind of a, a combination of two. Greg on Twitter asked, 
is Bill O'Brien going to Virginia Tech really going to happen? Love no. the show. Keep things up. And then Mike on Twitter asked, fingers crossed Bob has gone to Virginia Tech. If he does leave, who would call plays this weekend or in the college football playoff if Bama makes it? First of all, as we know now at the time of recording, Virginia Tech hired the defensive coordinator from Penn State. Uh, that's who they liked. Uh, what we don't know, and we may never know, did they not offer the job formally to Bill, or did they, and Bill said no. We don't know that. Uh, I would just say the fact that they hired a coordinator with no experience, uh, one of the things that first comes to mind for me is maybe they were very interested in Bill but couldn't make the money work because they did hire someone that is less expensive than Bill would have been uh, by hiring a first-time head coach. So I think that's uh, interesting. Now, Bill could very easily end up in another job, uh, a big job or a little job. I don't know. That's my guess today, Clint, is my guess is that next season, Bill O'Brien is, is in another job somewhere else. Uh, but I, I'll, I'll, I'll be emphatic about this. If he is not offered a job that he is interested in, I would not be surprised if he returns as offensive coordinator and, and this is just my own personal opinion because there's no way for me to know this, but I don't believe Nick Saban's going to fire Bill O'Brien. In fact, I would go so far as to say my opinion is that Nick is happy with the job Bill is doing. That, that's what I believe. Uh, I, now, if, if someone with uh, uh, better sources than me uh, says that's not true, I'm all ears. But uh, based on what I know, I don't think uh, Coach Saban's unhappy with uh, with the job that Bill O'Brien's done, and we could easily see him back next year if he doesn't get the job offer that interests him. But I do believe that's what's going to happen. He will end up in another job. If Bill is unable to coach Alabama in the playoffs, who would call the plays is a great question. They would bump up someone from the support staff to replace Bill. Uh, honestly, it might be Marone with his experience. Mm -hmm. Uh a play caller or becoming the interim offensive coordinator, it would probably be him based on his extensive experience in the game. I don't believe it would be Gillespie, Wiggins, or Svoboda. Uh, I, I think process of elimination. It would be Marone or someone on the support staff. I wish I had the roster of it in front of me. There might be an obvious thing. We got to remember when Kithen left during the playoff, Sark was elevated from the support staff to run the offense before the Clemson game. So we could have someone on the support staff that 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 Nick trusts more. But Doug Marone, I know people are upset with him because they see the offensive line not playing well. Uh, but Doug Marone was the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's run NFL offenses. He's one of the most respected offensive line coaches literally on in the world. Uh, Doug Marone is more than qualified uh, to run an SEC offense particularly for a short period of time. That's exactly what I thought. And you're right. Somebody on the support staff could end up, you know, somebody that we're not really thinking of, but just off the top of my head, I don't think it would be any of those other guys. I think it would be Doug Marone. And that's if Bill O'Brien left, you know, I mean, I, don't, I still don't think that he's going to leave, you know, because we're, you know, the one coaching head coaching job that we've heard him, you know, attached to it's now being filled by somebody else. And, and I haven't really heard anything about anybody else. Else, You know, I've heard, we've heard those stuff about LSU and, and the other places, but I don't think that Notre Dame is going to be interested. I don't think that Oklahoma is going to be interested. Um, there are some other smaller schools that are still looking for a coach, but I, ultimately I think that Bill O'Brien ends up returning as the offensive coordinator. 
And, you know, I, I said it on Twitter and I didn't mean to, you know, take any shots and I hope nobody took it personally. It's just an observation that I made. But just watching how people responded or Alabama fans responded to Bill O'Brien being included in those those uh, coaching rumors to Virginia Tech, you know, people tweeting out, hey, I'll go help him pack his bags and, oh, man, I'll drive him the whole way there myself. All these kind of comments and stuff, which is fine. Everybody's picking fun. Uh, it, it happens. Uh, I don't think anybody truly meant any ill will towards Bill O'Brien, but it does make you wonder. This is a guy who stepped in and took over an offense that was losing eight starters from last year, including, you know, more depth players at more positions. Not only that, they, you know, seven of those eight players were taken in the top 37 picks of the NFL draft. That is incredible. Seven of your 11 starters were, you know, six of them were first round picks. And then, you know, you had another one who was, you know, taken at the beginning of the second round in Landon Dickerson. You lose all that NFL talent. We've seen the offensive line. How can you watch Alabama's offensive line and think that you can get a reasonable idea of where Bill O'Brien is at as far as being a play caller? You know, the only knock on him, I, I guess there's two gripes that I would have. One is the the constant issues with delay of game penalties. Um, yep. That has got to get fixed. It's week in, week out. The, I yep. mean, obviously your process, whether you're having to call a timeout or you get the penalty called, your process of getting plays in there. I think is flawed and it needs to get fixed because that is a huge issue. You're stalling drives. You're you know putting yourself in, in bad situations, losing timeouts. But then the other is I think with the offensive line at times, he has, you know, a lot of long developing plays. And the reason that he does that a lot of times is because you have Jamison Williams and you want to be able to take shots deep with him. And so, you know, you put yourself in a position where you're trying to let those plays develop and you don't have the horses, you know, along your offensive front to be able to have the protection that you need. But uh, I, I still think I understand why he's doing it because of Jamison Williams and his ability to win deep. Um, but those were probably the only two knocks. But uh, outside of that, I think he's done a much better job than a lot of other, you know, or than, than a lot of Alabama fans give him credit for. But watching how they've criticized him, it makes you wonder how much pressure is going to be on the guy who takes over for Nick Saban. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't even want to think about it. Uh, I, I'm too worried about Georgia to think about something uh, worse, <laughs> you know, uh, but no, you're right. It was a, a peek into this whole coaching carousel, frankly, and people's reaction to it. And that Brian Kelly's a terrible hire type stuff to me was just a, a reminder of what it's going to be like when coach Saban retires and what the comments are going to be and what we have to, to quote, deal with, uh, and again, I'm not saying that Bill O'Brien should be national assistant coach of the year. I'm just saying that, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a silly analogy, but this is just to me how football fans are. It's not just Alabama football fans, but I've always thought, you know, if, if, if we had sanctions and, and part of our punishment was that, uh, okay, this season you can only play uh, defense with uh, players under five foot tall. And that's the sanction. You have 11 guys out there who are all under five foot tall, and that's the sanction. And, and they play every week, and, and you're giving up 70 to 90 points to 100 points every week. But you expect it, right? You're like, oh, there's no way these four foot six guys can defend SEC offenses. So you know it going in. But this is how fans are. By about the seventh or eighth week, you will start reading this. I know these little dudes can't compete, but we should be better than we are. I'm not sure we're calling the right plays. That's what you would see. Yeah. But 
fans just get emotional and they have to complain and point fingers. Um, Alabama's offense lost. Think of this. Think of it phrased another way. We lost multiple legitimate Heisman worthy guys. Multiple. Devontae won it. Matt could have. Najee some, was up there. Najee was up there. Who was the best receiver when the season started? Waddle or Devontae? It's, it was an argument to be made. And they played behind the best offensive line in the sport. Yep. There was going to be a step back. And what does the step back look like? We're the second best offense in the SEC. We're the 12th best offense in the country. We didn't play well against Auburn and LSU because we have limitations and flaws. And But overall, we're the second best offense. We're 11 and one. I think the step back has been managed very well, but by the team and by the coaches, I'm not sure the step back has been managed super well by all the supporters. That uh, I agree with. And what we're going to do is just skip this last question. We'll address it tomorrow. It's going to be talking about the transfer portal, but we've kind of gone long a little bit, which we always do, and that's fine. Uh, If you've got any other questions that you want to get in there, uh, you can certainly hit me up at Clint R. Lamb on Twitter. You can also hit up Jimmy over here at QB underscore country and just hit us up with any questions. You can do that anytime. We're going to be back tomorrow talking about a lot more about Alabama, Georgia. We're going to be getting some Georgia guys on here. That's going to be a lot of fun. And then we're, uh, you know, you'll get Jimmy and I's take probably Thursday. So a lot of Georgia content coming over the next two days. But if you got a question, uh, you know, if it doesn't get answered tomorrow, we'll get it answered Thursday. And uh, we enjoy all the questions that we get from you guys. We really appreciate it. Keep them coming. And Jimmy, I appreciate you hopping on here with me today. Always enjoy it. Roll Tide. Fun week. Yep. I, I mean, it's already been fun. And we're we're on Tuesday. And I can't wait. You know, the closer we get the more exciting it gets. And, and it's just, like I said, it's a completely different approach this week with Alabama being an underdog and not many people giving them a chance. So appreciate you guys tuning in and we'll talk to you guys soon. This has been the Bama on three show and I'm your host, Clint Lamb.